Hello and welcome to Chaotic Academia, a podcast with me, your favorite podcast host, your best friend, and that weird kid across the street who just like only talks to dogs. That's me. I don't know where I was going with that one. Okay. But yeah, welcome to Chaotic Academia. Chaotic Academia. It's chaos around here is what it is. Um, This is a podcast where I just indulge my curiosities. I follow them and take them. Well, I let them take me wherever they want to go. Um, so I just, I learn things or I share information with you that maybe you didn't know before or maybe post questions to make you think about something. Maybe you learn, I know that I'm learning through all this and that's, this is what it's here for. This is my platform for me to learn publicly <laughs> and I think it's super fun. So if you like learning informally and if you like chaos, this is a podcast for you. So happy to have you here. Okay. So I am so sorry that I didn't have a podcast episode for you guys the last two weeks. That is my mess. Um, that is the mess for this episode where I, <laughs> um, I don't have an excuse for you. I just couldn't bring myself to, like my brain, like normally I'm like overflowing with all these ideas, but I couldn't like get myself to do any of them. And I was so tired and busy. And even then, like I went to go through, I was like, oh, I have to do one. Like I can't not do one um this week I can't go all of October and then the only episode this entire month is the book club one which short small plug for the book club in a moment anyway and I have been reading a lot and I was like wow I could talk about these forever but I was like you literally can't make this podcast just what you're reading like this is not what this podcast is for if you want to have a whole podcast about your books go for it call it chaotic lit actually I should do that don't steal my ideas I'm doing it. I actually, you know what? Coming soon. Chaotic Lit. It will be my new podcast. There we go. Um, Yeah, I have so many things to talk about for that one. For this one, I guess I fucking didn't for whatever reason. But I do have something to talk about now. And I actually do have things to talk about. They just required a lot of effort and effort that I wasn't willing to put in for the time being. I needed a break <laughs> so badly. My poor brain was so fried from nothing. Um, I'm glad I'm taking a gap year. And I know that I will feel so much better. Like, going to grad school, well, I mean, grad school is difficult, but, like, would have been so much harder if I do it now. Like, I know that I'm so capable of intense research. I'm so capable of scholarly work. But I need, my brain just needs, like, a moment. Um, the world's been nuts. Um. Okay. Anyways, into this episode. Well, okay. In a second. Again, I, had to, I have to plug my book club. Okay. So, Alina's Book Club, this is the very first month, and I'm super excited for it. So, Alina's Book Club, part of Chaotic Academia, which is going to be separate from the Chaotic Lit thing that I may or may not do, but probably will do because I want to talk about my books. Um, <laughs> Alina's Book Club is exclusive to Chaotic Academia, though. And once a month, not once a month, but like every month, we are going to read a book as a collective. You, me... And the word kid, the weird kid across the street who plays with dogs, who also happens to be me. But there's two of us. There's two of us. We're friends. Um, but we're all gonna read a book. The very last episode of the week, or of the month, of the month, will be about that book. Meaning next week, next week. So you better get your butts to reading, if you want to. You don't have to. And even if you don't read the book, still listen to the podcast episode. Still listen to it. For October, we are reading All You Can Save, and it's edited by Katherine Wilkinson and Ayanna Elizabeth Johnson. 
and it is basically this super super cool anthology and collection um of pieces written by feminists and women climate activists and people in the climate movement it's all about it's all about saving the climate and um saving the world basically and it's super awesome and there's so much cool stuff to talk about involved in it and if you have things you want to talk about please email me at it gets messy podcast at gmail.com dm me on twitter or instagram and um i think yeah or you can send a voice message in anchor i don't know if you've seen that or you know how to do that but you can do that that's a thing so do that awesome okay okay so please read the book you'll learn a lot i'm so excited okay today's episode is all about languages i mean i'm sure you read the title but I'm so I was like what can I do that's easy what do I what do I know a little bit about already so that way I can only do like half the amount of effort that I want to do which is dumb I should have done the whole thing um but this was really good actually there's a lot a lot of new things that even I learned in this so I want to talk about like learning new languages because that's something I know about but I there's a lot for me to learn and I okay it's okay so I'm a Spanish tutor. Um, my tutoring sessions are a lot more put together than this podcast. Granted, this podcast is slightly put together. I like to leave things a little spicy sometimes. But um, I'm a Spanish tutor. I have finished my senior year of college. So I, But I have been studying Spanish uh, since the 8th grade. I took Spanish 1 in 8th grade, Spanish 2 in ninth grade, Spanish 3 in 10th grade. And then my junior and senior years, I did IB Spanish 1. And IB Spanish too. So I did IB Spanish. And that was my highest test score for my IB tests. My highest score was indeed Spanish. Which was super awesome. And I think I got a 6. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but oh, my swelled so loudly. Again. <laughs> oh, guess what? I'm going to get a new audio recording software. But it's downloading and it's taking forever. And I wanted it to download before this episode. But I couldn't get to do to do that. I also was waiting to do this episode because I'm expecting a phone call like I was expecting a phone call like an hour and a half ago and so um oh we might have to pause in case I get that phone call anyhow I am a Spanish tutor I started speaking speaking I started learning Spanish I guess I learned Spanish in elementary school too like we had Spanish class in elementary school except for like I don't consider that to be formally when I started learning Spanish I I started learning Spanish to me in eighth grade Granted, I watched Dora and Diego and stuff like that. And in my house, Diego was better than Dora. I don't know about your opinion, but we always thought Diego was better. There was just like, Dora was always, that bitch was always getting lost. Like, don't get me wrong. She did so much for us and and truly taught us so much. But like, she was always getting lost um, and like fighting a thieving fox. But Diego was out here like rescuing endangered animals, which was like way fucking cooler if you ask me. So we are Diego stands in this house. Thank you very much. Okay. So like first grade is when we had our first Spanish teacher. Hard to remember her. I only had her for one year. And then we had another Spanish teacher like at least in fifth grade, probably like fourth, fifth, third, fourth, fifth, maybe we had Spanish. And, um, we just like learned the same shit over and over and over again. Like, we learned the numbers multiple times. We learned colors many, many times. We started to learn clothing uh, fifth grade, which was nice. Like, that was cool. I remember it because I had, like, a shirt that I thought was cute. In hindsight, it was not. But granted, this was, like, 2009. (laughs) 
So, and that also tells you how young I am. Um, I am a child. I am a baby. Yet I feel so old. <laughs> and I know I'm not. But I still don't know what's going on with the kids these days. Not cool. I may be Gen Z. But I don't know what the fuck is going on with Gen Z, man. I'm so out of it. Man, I'm technically a zillennial. I'm a cusper. I'm like, I'm like born in that weird like 96, 90 to, to like 2000 or like 97 to 2000 period where like they're all kind of like in the middle. That's where I'm, I was born in there. Okay. Off track already. I digress. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I started, but like I really like honed in, like actually learned Spanish. I think in starting eighth grade with Spanish one. We covered all the things. I think that's because in elementary school Spanish, we really only, like, learned vocabulary. We did, like, the weather, clothes, numbers, colors. But we kept repeating it over and over again. Like, we never used it. We never did anything with it, you know? But in Spanish 1, we actually started, like, studying, studying Spanish. And I don't know. I loved it. And then in high school, I had the same Spanish teacher for all four years. And um, I loved her. Everyone hated her. People thought she was so mean. I mean, people still think that, but, like, I thought she was so cool. But also, the longer you take her, the better she gets. She has, a, like, a very unique sense of humor, and you just kind of, like, understand it. And also, the older you get, the farther you go into it. Like, I don't know. She just, like, really, really cares about her students, and she's hard on them because she cares. Like, she's one of those teachers that, like, you learn so much from, and I think kids don't like her because she's so difficult. But it's not difficult in a way like this is impossible. It's difficult and it's like this is possible and she knows that you can do it so you better do it kind of way. Um, I don't know. I have this theory that kids just don't want to learn anymore. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but no, like I learned like she was so effective and I learned so much. And I like walking out of high school, I felt so confident in my Spanish. I was like, I know so much. And I got to college and I didn't take Spanish my freshman year. Uh, or no, I did take Spanish my freshman year, not my first semester ever, because I needed, I wanted to test and do a higher level span, a higher Spanish. I didn't know how to do that until it was like, I wish I did that my, I wish I did that when I was a senior in high school, you know, so that way I could have just like started right off the bat. So I took a semester off and, um, it was weird. Like the class that I was in was definitely too easy for me. I, cause I tested into a higher and it was like a very, the person who tested me didn't actually test me. He's like, do you know these things? I was like, yes. And he's like, okay, go in this class. And I think he put me in there because he was teaching that class. Um, but he was really cool. I really liked him. He was also kind of difficult, but the class, like, it was easy. Like, I got bored. That's the thing about my college classes is that I was super bored in all of them. Like, I didn't find most of them challenging. Um, so yeah, I had a Spanish minor to start off with and then um the difference between a Spanish major and a minor was only like four classes and I was like I might as well to go for a second major like I might as well take the four classes and have a second major so I did and it was cool I it was I was glad to have like studied Spanish all the time the one thing that was hard in um that made Spanish like diff more difficult to learn in college not just the fact that like it's supposed to be harder because it wasn't for me, but, um, was because in high school you're doing Spanish five out of seven days a week, at least. But I would do homework over the weekends. I would do homework Sundays. So, I, and Saturdays, but mostly Sundays. And I was engaging in homework then, you know, six days a week. 
And then my college courses, most of my Spanish courses were in the evening. So I did my homework the day of, like the morning of. So, and the classes were only two days a week or sometimes one day a week, even. I had like classes that were like three hours long one day a week. I wasn't, I was only doing Spanish for one or two days a week. That was it. So it just became a, like a less, it was less a part of my daily life. And that's so important for learning a new language is that like it's consistent and regular in your life and you're exposed to it often. And I just wasn't as much. And, um, I don't know, it was just like easier to take the shortcuts and the easy ways out. And that kind of happened to it. But I did study abroad and that was tremendous. I learned so much. Like that was like one of the best educational experiences. Granted, I was super, super depressed while I was on study abroad. I had just broken up with my high school friend group and we had been friends since, oh God, like we were, we were like six years. Some of like, I, some of them I was friends with for six years. Some of them I was friends with for like nine years. Like these people had like seen everything. Like there was such a huge part of my life at that age. Like they were my friends, all of middle school, high school and halfway into college. And some of them I was friends with in elementary school, like that was serious to me. And I was also just so mentally ill and like, I, I was, I was a real regret. I did some, I was very toxic and I did some things I'm not proud of. And I also got super fucking sick. Um, I don't know what it was from because it wasn't like a stomach thing necessarily, you know, where like you ate food and then like you're shitting your brains out. I did poop a lot. Like I was shitting my brains out, but that was like on top of something else. Like I, um, it was like a part of, it wasn't just because I ate bad food. Like no, my throat hurt and I was coughing and I lost my voice um, for over a week. So I was really sick and I wanted to go home. I was like, I don't have, I'm lonely. I didn't stay with the host family either because that made me feel weird. I, I feel weird spending the night at my friend's houses and they're my friends. Um, and they don't even know that I feel weird about spending the night at my friend's houses because they seem so easygoing and chill about it. But like, I like if I spend the night at that friend's house enough times, like I'm not weird about it. Like I have one friend and we're always crashing at her place. And I had two friends. I was always crashing at their place. And I was super cool with it. Cause I'm like, Oh yes. Like this is normal. Like we've developed a routine. Oh my God. My computer just screamed at me. But the first time, um, the first time I spend the night at someone's house, I definitely get a little bit weird. I finally got the new program um software okay but yeah so anyways I didn't I didn't have a host family especially because I was like this is a whole family like I'm intruding on their lives for like months and I know that like they get paid and like they ask for it like they're willing to do it but I was like I don't I don't know plus I was like I want to have the freedom to come and go when I please I don't want to have to like worry about like being home for dinner or like them or like coming home a certain time waking them up or bothering them like I just I want to, I want to be good. Like, I just want to like kind of have that freedom. So there's a host family. So I was just like alone and sick and going through a breakup and it was a nightmare. Absolute goddamn nightmare. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, but I learned so much. So my classes there, I was there for nine weeks and I took nine credits. I took three different classes 
And what was really cool is that I didn't take them all at the same time. I did one class, then another class, and then another class. So each class was three weeks long. So I had my first class, which was um, culture and civilization, uh, Latin American culture and civilization. So I had that. And classes, we had class for four hours a day, five days a week. So I had 20 hours of instruction time for one class a week. Like, it was awesome. And my classes were, like, either small groups or one-on-one. So my culture and civilization course, it was um, me and one one other girl. The other girl annoyed me, I'm not going to lie, but that's okay. Um, She irritated the hell out of me, and she was better at Spanish than me, and she made me look like, she made me look bad. And I'm trying not to be like, God, oh, that's just my insecurity, but like she made me look bad. Um, but she was like so nice. She drove me nuts. I don't know why. And she had, she had like whack opinions on things. But she was so nice and it pissed me off. Yeah. But that's my own problem to deal with, you know? That's my that's my fault to be bothered by that. Um, and I recognize it's not so, not so much I hated everyone at the time because I was lonely. So who knows if she was actually as much of a bitch as I made her out to be in my mind. And then, but it was just the two of us. So like super concentrated focus on us. And, um, the next week or the next chunk of time I had was literature. I took a literature course. Um, and then we did like a whole three credit course, three weeks in literature. It was nuts. That one was intense. And that one was mostly one-on-one for two weeks. It was one-on-one. And then the third and final week, um, more classmates joined. I had like three new, three or four new, three other classmates that went to another university. We became besties. We became, we, we, we like all hung out. That professor invited us to her house. It was awesome. And then my last three weeks I did phonetics with another professor. But so, um, and every week you were supposed to like change teachers, but my one teacher, the one who invited me to her house, I had her for four weeks, four of the nine weeks. And you weren't supposed to do like, but because of the classes I were taking were, were like specialized. Most of the courses that were being taught at the time were like, how, like were Spanish and my classes weren't Spanish. They were in Spanish. You know, if that makes sense, I wasn't learning like grammar functions anymore. No, like I'm learning literature and I'm learning civilization. Like I'm taking humanities courses in Spanish and all of our teachers didn't speak English they all were native Spanish speakers and I was in Peru so they're all Peru like they're all Peruvian they're all natives. the thing about the school that I went to one I mean I could learn so much the teachers excellent the courses excellent the the constant like the way that it's so concentrated excellent loved it loved every moment I wasn't the university so I didn't make any friends like actually Peruvian friends all of my friends were from the U.S. or Europe because the school that I went to is was specifically for, um, like, people studying abroad or, like, like, I don't say foreigners, but, like, people not from Peru studying, you know, or volunteering. Also, there was this cute guy there, and I thought we're, we, we were going to hang out. He invited me to a party. He invited me to, like, go out to a party, and, um... I was so sick and I couldn't go and I was devastated because this hot man was like, hey, let's hang out. And I was like, I love to, but I, I can't. That's literally what's on. Okay. I know that I've monopolized the time talking about my study abroad. Let's actually like learn about like, like languages and not just Spanish. <laughs> this is about more than Spanish. So I'm going to start off talking about some like fun, 
fun things about language, then why you should learn a new language, and then how to learn a new language. So I just, I don't know, I love learning a new language. That's what my bachelor's is in. Like I had a great time. I did an independent study. Like I, I know I teach Spanish and it is my favorite subject to tutor probably because it's the easiest for me to tutor, but compared to like government, although I'd love teaching government too. And by, I actually just like tutoring, but I could never be a teacher. Like I don't want to have 30 kids K through 12. I want to teach university level classes because I, I can't do K through 12. I, I can't do K through 12. Um, I'm not, I'm not cut out for, for that, for minors, basically. Okay. So, um, the first chunk of fun facts are about other languages in the United States, but it's not all about the United States. So there's actually some really interesting data that's done by the Census Bureau and the Center for Immigration Studies. I believe that's what, yeah. Um, and so like there's this page and I'm, I'm going to post all of my links in the show notes per usual. Um, but there's a page and it explains like about how the data is made and what it's used for and how they get their data. And they use it for like legislative, like legislative things, policy, legal, research applications, all sorts of stuff. They do a lot of, a lot of data. There's a current paper that I thought was cool, like a current working paper from the census, which American languages are dying quantifying the demographic vulnerability of indigenous language in the United States. So like how vulnerable is a language based off of like demographics? It was pretty cool. And so like some of the questions that, you know, there's just all sorts of stuff, but they do a report. Um, they do like a CIS or their data is used in a CIS report and the data that they use like every year to just kind of figure out who speaks what languages in the United States, like how many people, who speaks what, like how good are they, whatever they ask does this person speak a language other than English at home? Yes or no. And then B, then the next question is, what is this language? Whatever the language may be, like Vietnamese or Italian or whatever. And then the third question is, how well does this person speak English? And there are four options. Very well, well, not well, or not at all. And those are self-identified. So the Census Bureau doesn't like measure one's ability to speak English at all. That is, like, self-reported by the person taking the survey or the person, you know, giving their information for research. So, just, you know, it's not like the government's, like, out here being like, damn, you suck. You know? That's not quite exactly what's happening. Hold on. I take a drink of my water. My throat, man. So, yeah. And I found the CSI, the CSI, no, the CIS report from 2019, and that uses data from 2018, and that one's pretty cool. Why did my dad text me about going to a concert tonight? It's, I was never going to go to a concert tonight. I I told him that there was never a concert, and then I'm at home, and he said, okay, (laughs) that was it. He didn't tell me why he asked me or any of that. I said I went to the I went to the Van Gogh or Van Gogh or whatever. I know I, I'm pretty I'm like ninety nine percent sure it's Van Gogh, but everyone just says Van Gogh. Um, immersive experience in Detroit this afternoon, and that was pretty fun. Um, took a lot of gas, a lot of my gas, not a ton, but like enough because I measure in a in a work week. I can use I use the perfect like I can fill my tank up on a Sunday. Tank up on a Sunday. And then I'm good to go all the way to Friday. 
to even Saturday. I don't work Saturdays, but like if I'm not going super far anywhere Saturday or over the weekend, it'll get me there as well. Oh my God. I just made the weirdest noise. I honestly should not have been drinking kombucha because that makes me all rumbly and that's on me. Oh, my dad said, oh yeah, my bad. I, it was so cool. The Van Gogh thing. So cool. I can't wait to bother him with pictures later. They let you take pictures. Um, but no flash photography. And this one bitch was taking flash photography. Oh my god. Girl can't oh my god. And like it was obnoxious and annoying. Okay. Anyway, so from this report, here are some cool statistics because I like my numbers. So in America's five largest cities, just under half of the residents speak a language other than English at home. That's forty eight percent of people in the largest five cities. Um, in New York City, it's 49% of people speak a language other than English at home. In Los Angeles, it's 59%. Chicago, it is 36%. And Houston's 50 and Phoenix, 38 There are 67.3 million residents in the United States who speak a language other than English at home. That's crazy. And that includes native-born, legal immigrants, illegal immigrants, all sorts of people. Isn't that, isn't, isn't that nuts? Oh my gosh. Like, it, that, that 63.67, the 67.3 million people, that is 21.9% of U.S. residents speak a foreign language at home. And just FYI, the United States does not have an official language. So, before, so when people come at you and be like, people are like, oh my God, this is America, speak English. We don't have an official language and not to mention... Mm, over a fifth of our population speaks a language other than English at home, which is really cool. There were 90 cities in designated census designated places with populations of at least 63,000 in which a majority of residents spoke a foreign language at home. That's just so cool to me. There were nine states where more than one in four residents now speaks a language other than English at home. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. I love it. There are, like, just so many people who speak other languages in the United States. There are more people who speak Spanish at home in the United States than in in any country in Latin America except Mexico, Colombia, and Argentina. Except those. Isn't that nuts? It's so cool. Like, and... 25.6 million of the people who speak a foreign language at home, 26.5 million, so that's 38% of them, told the Census Bureau that they speak English less than very well. But that's based entirely on the opinion of the respondent. So there isn't like, there is still like a disparity there, but also like, we don't need them to know. We don't, we just have more Spanish. That's what I think. Um, But the states with the largest share of their population speaking a foreign language at home in 2018 were California. With 45% of their populations, Texas, 36%, New Mexico, 34%, New Jersey, 32%. So, that's pretty cool. A lot of them, you're going to see, like, that southwestern, near the border, those areas, and that those languages are Spanish, um, which is super cool. There are, t- then there's this other website I found that had super fun, easy to understand graphs. Like, there are so many graphs with fun colors, and I want you to see them so badly. So, yeah, and, um... I think it's so cool. Like, so interesting to see graphs. I'm a graph person. Okay. According to... Then there's other website from telelanguage.com. They had a really cool 
thing that was so, according to a 2015 report that was done by um, the Instituto Cervantes, the United States has the second highest concentration of Spanish speakers in the world after Mexico. And there are like roughly, there are roughly 53 million people and 41 million native speakers and approximately 11.6 million bilingual Spanish speakers who live in the United States. That is just millions and millions of people who speak Spanish in the United States. Mil- millions. M- millions. Can you conceptualize that? Can you picture a million people right now? Can you even... Oh, that's nuts. That's bunkers. That's bananas. So yeah. It is It is just so cool. I think it's so cool to think about that. And then I found this really interesting Forbes article. But I'm going to take a break first and then we're going to jump into the Forbes article. So... Go to the bathroom, pause it, I don't know. You're going to listen to an ad of me talking about why you should start a podcast on Anchor. So, you should listen to the ad and maybe go to the bathroom, I don't know, take a break, get some kombucha, get some good booch. Um, we'll be back in a little bit. Alrighty, welcome back. I don't have that much to say in this Forbes article. I just thought it was really cool. Um, so it was entitled, The U.S. Has the Second Largest Population of Spanish Speakers, How to Equip Your Brand to Serve Them. And um, it was, I was like, ah, oh, whatever, like businessy, but I'm curious. And the person who wrote it, um, their partner actually speaks Spanish, like is a native Spanish speaker. And their daughter is, like their joint daughter that they had together is bilingual. And so, you know, they're noticing a lot more need for Spanish speakers in professions and so just how much there are how many issues there are with it so uh, I mean there's a cool statistic that said that more than 559 million people in the world spoke Spanish and 460 million of those are native speakers so although Mandarin holds the top title Spanish is the language with the second largest population of native speakers in the world so the largest native speakers in the the largest population of native speakers that language goes to Mandarin, Chinese, which is pretty difficult to learn. And I did try it, and it was pretty darn cool. It was pretty fun. I was supposed to go to China um, in twenty twenty, but obviously that got canceled. Given you know, I don't know if you heard about this thing called the COVID nineteen pandemic, uh, but we had that. <laughs> but the article is just like we've scratched the surface, on we have like catered to Spanish speaking populations little to none, like. They use the example a lot, even just like personal examples, not just business examples, but you might have like a, a form that is written in, that is supposed to be in Spanish or a document or like a survey, something that is like there's instructions involved. And even though the document itself, like the form might be in Spanish, the instructions are written in English. There's not full Spanish. There's just like bits and pieces here and there, half assed. And I just thought that's just so very interesting. And like we could be doing so much more to help those populations. Um, but you know, and those were just some of the questions I was looking at. Cause when I was looking these things up, I was like, how many people in the world speak Spanish? How many people in the world speak different languages? How many people in the world or how many people in the United States speak a different language? What's the most pot? What's the most common foreign language in the United States? And like, I knew that one cause that's the language that I speak my foreign language. Um, but like, you know, there's so many things I was wondering, like the world has so much going on. And I was like, just curious and um 
even beyond the United States, I was like, how many languages are there? And I got a number of different answers. And that was really fun to, to Google. So this one website, Linguistic Society, had some cool information that I thought was really cool about like the history of language and whatnot. And so a lot of, and they said that a lot of the original work in like documenting what language that we have in the world, that was all done by missionary organizations because those organizations wanted to translate the Christian Bible and further colonization and yada yada bullshit that I don't necessarily love because of how awful they went um, usually and how much culture was lost and the horrors and and if you're like this is great I this is a conversation from another day but colonization and assimilation has led to the loss of so much and it is so painful so many have so many have lost their culture lost their languages lost their lives because of colonization specifically missionary colonization so anyway they that was like a big reason for looking new languages like at 20 as of 2019 a portion of the bible had been translated into uh, at least one portion of the bible was translated into 2508 different languages so like still a long way from full coverage and all but still um and like a, one of the biggest co- like the most extensive catalog um for all these world languages is the ethnologue and that's published um by an organization and this like this list is super detailed and it says of 2009 there were 6909 distinct languages however when you google it it comes up as like there are a number of different sources say like 7099 or all the way to 7,139. So I'm going to say there's about 7,100 um, languages. Which is so cool. Like think about 7,100 languages. We don't have that many countries either. Like we don't have 7,000 countries. So you have so many different languages spoken in different countries. And I mean it's it's so cool. It's so cool to think about how many like countries speak multiple languages. And have multiple native languages. And different regions have different languages and how how we as people have grown and spoken in different ways. So, it's just so fucking cool. And so, and like there are different families of languages. So, most languages are a part of like a, like a genealogy of languages. Kind of like, um, you know, humans and biology and animals. Like, they're a, a family of languages. That's a group of languages that can be shown to be genetically related to one another. Such as, this is all from the Linguistic Society, FYI. And so, like, they use the example of, like, the Indo-European family. And that's the one that English belongs to. And, uh, um, there are about 200 Indo-European languages. Which was really, really cool. Like, that's absolutely wild. And, like, you could think, like, you might think that given how many, like, how widely the Indo-Euro languages are, like, spread across the world and, the, like, the amount of influence that they have and how major they are, you might just assume that, like, a good, a good group of the world's languages belong to that family. But no, like, there's only 200 of them. There's only 200 of them. And, um, and that's, that's not even, like... But you can ignore the many cases in which, like, there are languages that you have no idea 
about their genetic affiliation. You have no idea where they came from. And so there are more families of languages. There are like 250 families of languages. That's more than there are languages in the Indo-European family. 250 families. Isn't that nuts? And what's cool, think about like the just the amount of like diversity in language. So this data also from the ethnologues like 2009. So it's a little bit old, you know. Um, but so only 230 languages are spoken in Europe. Be like only 230. That's like not a small amount. 2,197 spoken in Asia. 2,000. Dude. <laughs> Dude. And that does, we don't even, we haven't talked about the Americas yet. There are so many languages. What I loved about this website actually says that it says, we should remember that the Americas were a region with many languages well before modern Europeans or Asians arrived. Like there were over, like at least 300 languages spoken in North America. And that's bananas. About half of them, they said that about half of them have died out completely. Which is upsetting, you know? But, like, oh my god, that's so much. That's so many languages. Just, like, we have literally have thousands of languages. Hundreds of languages can be spoken in a region. Dozens, so many languages can be spoken in a country. And and do you, how many do you know? How many languages do you And I have a lot of, like, international listeners. I have um, people from listening from all over the country. Probably listen to be like, Americans, they don't know shit about language. Yeah, we don't. Deadass, we don't. Um... <laughs> it's wild this and the CIA lists languages like they have a list of like what country speaks which languages and it's so cool and I was um I was interested in like a polyglot and like multilingualism and like how many people in the world speak multiple languages and um because we keep hearing this thing you know about how Americans or yeah well Americans only speak one language and other play other people like no more than one and wikipedia said um i got a notification is this for a concert for tonight this is a concert for tomorrow i will not be attending um maybe i do have a concert damn maybe my dad didn't know what he was talking about okay um wikipedia said quote it is believed that multilingual speakers outnumber monolingual speakers in the world's populations end quote I didn't find any like study studies or articles, but I believe it. Given the amount of language that we have in the world, and I only know one of them. Oh my god! Like, or I only know two of them. Like one and a half of them. Like, oh my god! People are like, it's so cool that you know Spanish. Like, you know their language. I should know five. I wish I knew five languages. Like that would be so to be able to like just like switch through them. I remember was so like on my study abroad. I was talking about earlier. I made friends from Europe, and um. Like, my one friend, she was, she's from Belgium, and, um, which is cool, like, my family's Belgian, like, my grandpa's um, Belgian, and, um, in Belgium, they speak, like, one side, like, one half speaks French, and they speaks Dutch, um, and she, like, lives sort of north, towards the middle of that area, and so she speaks French and Dutch, and she's learning English, and she's learning Spanish, like, that's, there's so many and these are just the indo-european languages like oh my god there's so many other languages to learn i just <laughs> it's so cool i'd i'd believe it that there are more multilingual speakers 
and also in the United States, like, we're not, if, I feel like we're not always exposed to other languages unless you live in, like, a really urban population. One of the sites I was reading, I didn't include this in our, my fact list for the episode, but I guess I am now. I guess I could dig it out. Um, that most of the time, like, this diversity in languages happens in urban areas, and the more rural you get, the less multilingual there is like less languages are around that area like people only speak one language and it's usually English like the more rural you get in the United States the less likely there is to be a foreign language learning and or exposure and like I believe that oh yeah absolutely and it's so interesting like oh my gosh so like why should you learn a new language to connect with new people and new cultures to like learn so much you can expand your perspective so so much like Learning a new language is not just about learning a new language, it's about learning the culture as well and learning about the people and the history. Like, a language is so much more than just a method of communication. Like, a, it, it's so much more than that. And so you can, you can connect with that. And I think it's so crucial for you to, like, learn new perspectives, to put yourself in someone else's shoes, to get out of whatever bubble you might be in or whatever like ideas you have about the world because things are so different and different languages mean different like not everything translates directly which is so cool you kind of get a glimpse of like even what's important to other like other countries and other languages just by like looking at their language you can learn so much but also learn a language because maybe you want to connect with your own culture and ancestors and if especially if you lost a lot of that due to colonization or assimilation um like connect with your own culture and your own ancestors i think about how I mean, like, I'm just all mixes of white, and so, like, it's my people who did all the fucking up, but, um, even then, like, I remember when I was a little kid, my mom telling me, my mom was, my mom was upset about this, and thus I'm upset about it, because I realized, like, how true my mom was when she talked about this, um, that when our family came to the United States, so we came either, like, late 1800s or early 1900s. As when my families came over, started coming over my family lines, and um, <laughs> we a lot like they, our families came and they were like, "We want, we're here to be Americans," and and the American dream. We're gonna, we're gonna be Americans, and um, they stopped speaking their native language at home. They stopped speaking like their their motherland tongue, their mother tongue, mother tongue. That's what it's called. They started eating hamburgers and hot dogs they ate american food they they spoke english they assimilated into u.s culture they were americans now and because of that we've lost so much um like we know we know that i know that once i know some things like my dad's family is dutch and my grandpa tried to learn dutch because that's what his parents spoke um, but he didn't grow up, like, speaking it or anything, but he was, like, tried to learn Dutch words and, like, tried to do things that were Dutch-like. Or, like, he tried, and my mom's side of the family, we eat, like, a couple foods that we eat, like, we'll have, we'll have a couple foods that are, like, Polish foods that we eat at the holidays, um, but, and we, we sing, um, stole a lot on birthdays, and but, like, we don't have any of that. We don't have any ties to our Belgian or 
or Polish or Dutch call like it's all gone and I, I want to have that I want to have history and to know and like have traditions that my ancestors have done and and I'm white and privileged like I can't there is so much privilege even in me knowing what I am knowing when my family came to the U.S. knowing those kinds of things some people don't some people don't have that kind of lineage that they can trace back some of that was stripped from them some of that was taken away from them and so just being able to to do that is incredible for me like and so learning a new language you know it helps me like I'm trying to learn Polish I'm I'm trying to learn Polish a little bit more and and even then like I uh, trying to learn Mandarin I was supposed to go to Asia I was supposed to go to China last summer and I didn't get to go and I wanted to learn Mandarin for that um and so much stuff and these are the important reasons to me and but also other people think it's important to mention that you can you makes you more employable and it does it does make you more employable technically like you are I can list Spanish on my resume and stuff. Um, and it does. It makes me more employable. And it's, it's helped me. But I, what I also think is that it can help you. Like, it and help you help more people. It's useful that way. You can, you can reach populations who need help. Knowing the amount of, like, pervasive racism and discrimination and xenophobia that exists in the United States, but other places as well, too, like... Knowing another language allows you to cross that cross language barriers and assist communities that need assist that need well, would want assistance because not everyone needs assistance, you know. But like you can help people come to the U.S. like who want to be here. You can help fight like the situation at the borders, the situation that goes on in the United States, the way we treat Hispanic immigrants. You can help people out right here. There's so many just, it's, there's so many benefits. So how do you, how do you learn a language? How, what goes into it? There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it. There's the reading, the writing, the listening. I said, my pants just fucking break because I'm fat. Oh, these are new. No, I think we're good. Okay. <laughs> we're good. We're good. Um, but like, I mean, they're your, what you think of language, like reading, writing, speaking, listening. But then, and those are all composed of grammar, vocab, and culture. I mentioned, like, yes, culture. Because, it's, you know, it's important to know the culture of the language that you're speaking. But also, you're going to use it. <laughs> you want to know, what, what phrases do people actually use? You know, what, what different idioms? Like, think of the expressions we have in English in the United States. And think of the expressions that are in English in England. And all over the world, there, there are different expressions and idioms to based on based on where you're from and what the culture is, you know, and what certain phrases are appropriate. If more than one country speaks this language, what things are offensive in one place and normal in another? I had to learn that with Spanish. And even then, I still wasn't very good at it. I don't remember some of it. But there are phrases that you can say in Mexico and it's like part of conversation. But if you say that in Peru, mm-mm, no. There are even just different words for things in different countries. Like... In the United States, and we have avocados. Um, in in Spanish, there's two ways to say it: in aguacate or um, a palta, I believe. 
And that was the one that we used in Peru. Now, why am I blanking on it? Jesus Christ, I do know Spanish. My brain just, like, froze over, like, the, like, the fucking Arctic for a moment. Yeah, it's Palta. I don't know. Yeah, Palta. Why did I get confused? I, it's in, yeah, aguacate, Palta, avocado. So, yeah, like, there's all different things. So, you want to learn that. You want to Google that. So, like, step one, don't get deterred. Step one, don't. Don't, like, it's going to be overwhelming to think of all the stuff that you don't know. But you learned your native language when your brain was just a wee sponge soaking it up. So now, yeah, it's going to be harder. Especially because you're going in, not learning a new language from scratch. You have an existing language. So your brain is going to want to translate. Your brain is going to want to go from English to the next language. It's not, so like when you were first learning English, your brain was, it had no language. It just said, and it slurped it up. And had nothing to compare it to or base it off to. And so, clean slate. You don't have a clean slate. You have a language. And you're going to be constantly comparing it and thinking about what's the what's the Mandarin equivalent to in English. There's not always going to be an equivalent. Things don't always translate super well. And even then, think of how long it took for you to learn your native, native language. Your mother tongue. It's It took you forever. It took years. So don't get deterred. Don't get overwhelmed. I mean, think about how an think about how an eight year old talks. When was the last time you talked to an eight year old? I do it every day. I talk to eight year olds, and you know what? Their grammar is not great. They forget words all the time. They never know how to spell. I write notes for them, and they can't read them. And they have been probably around English for a long time. They're in school, and the school's all taught in English for the most part, and they still don't know it. So don't get freaked out be patient be consistent now my next thing find a study book website online course study guide etc find something that kind of like lists it all out for you has lots of resources there's tons of websites but like find a book how to do this um something that guides you kind of like grammar practice or here's things that separates into grammar and spelling or whatnot duolingo works too i don't i like duolingo but i don't think duolingo does enough because it doesn't teach, like, it doesn't teach really a lesson all the time, always ahead of time. Like, it just kind of, like, throws you right into practice. And I memorize it. Like, I don't know why things are the way that they are. So, when you have, a, like, a guide or something like that, it can help tell you why. Not that Duolingo is bad. Duolingo is pretty fun. It's pretty casual. But, yeah. Find yourself something like that. Next one, expose yourself to the language often via media, like the TV shows or books or social media, all that kind of stuff. Movies. Changing your phone language, you know, changing the, your technology, all the languages to another, the other language that you're speaking. Going out of your way to like be in places where that language is spoken. Immersion is the best way to learn language by far. Like being immersed in it and being like that is what your brain, because your brain's going to adjust. Your brain is going to have to adjust to that language and it will and you are going to learn it so quickly however we can't always immerse ourselves we can't always go to another place for an extended amount of time but you can simulate that the best that you can at home start only reading polish books start only watching maltese tv shows i don't know any of them but you know like do that get your little vpn and watch tv from another country um, but that's, a, that's, you need to like 
the best way to learn is by listening and like the like truly the best way to learn to speak Spanish is by listening to Spanish the best way to write Spanish is reading Spanish like you know just practicing 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 being exposed to it being exposed to it super important like best way next thing flashcards seriously I think flashcards help it's a great way to like get familiarized with yourself with the vocab um Quizlet even has pre-made ones like if you just google what you want to listen like someone have made a Quizlet for it already so like just google it and it'll be all right but like flashcards or write things down take notes write it down google things all the time this is also really the next one's really important talk to people you know who speak the language see if they will practice with you or talk with you or if you don't know anyone find a buddy online there are tons of websites where you can like get in contact and like video chat or talk or write to someone in another language get an international pen pal i actually had one for a while it's kind of fun like truly repeat like practice 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 lots of practice that's my next thing lots of practice and i already kind of said that but like lots of repetition practice writing a lot write sentences write a lot do your journal entries in Spanish or Polish or whatever. Talk to yourself in Japanese. Talk to yourself in Portuguese. You know, like, practice it. Repeat it. And if, like, conjugation charts, if, you know, if you're trying to learn how things are conjugated, write things down. Practice all the time. And practice listening a lot too there are podcasts youtube channels websites all dedicated to just practicing learning that language it goes along with that immersion thing like watching tv and exposing your media but like there are also activities there are guided things that are educational based that you can also use instead because that gives you like the corrective or like what you should be looking for and that's kind of more practice but like go and get books and read the books and take forever to read them and google them and every sentence you might have to like have a dictionary next to you and look up a bunch of words but um the next one write it read it speak it hear it or hear it speak it those kind of like back and forth but I I have found and this is what I think but you know what it could be different because everyone learns differently but being able to write things write out the words write in Spanish and then be able to or I say Spanish but like write in that language then you can read it, it makes it easier to read to speak it and then to hear it. Um, I think for for me, being able to visualize words can help me when I need to speak. So I I can kind of like picture the words and how I want, what order I want them to go because I learned how to read and write Spanish first before I learned how to speak it. I kind of all learn it simultaneously, but I kind of cut on to the writing and reading part first. You, you, you typically do. Speaking and listening are like the last two things. It's Those are like some of the hardest ones to, if you're learning in a formal setting. If you're learning in an informal setting, like you're immersing yourself, listening and speaking might become first. But like, it depends on how you're, what setting you're learning in. Like a classroom, do you have a teacher? Do you have a tutor? Like, are you doing exercises? Are you just watching things? Are you immersed in it? Like, it depends on the situation. But like, just go with the flow. Just go with it. Read it, write it, speak it, hear it. Go with the flow. Don't be too nervous. You'll be all right. And then get a tutor or take a class with a teacher. Like, if, if it's just so hard, but you really want to learn it, take a class. Go for it. Go to a community college. Take a course. 
Get a tutor. Hire me. I'll teach you Spanish. What do you want to know? What do you want to know? Do you want to learn indirect object pronouns? Do you want to know how to order food in a restaurant? Or how to navigate a hotel? I'm trying to figure out how to talk about policy and politics? I got you. Do you want to learn how a sentence should be structured in Spanish? I can help you with that. Um, if you want to learn a new language, don't use, do not use Google Translate. For the love of God, do not use Google Translate. Google Translate is based off an algorithm of what's like used the most. And so it's not accurate to like grammar. It doesn't always follow the way it should be. It's, it's terrible. Like Google Translate does not translate very well at all. There's Spanish Dictionary, which also works. First, that's just like specific to Spanish. But like for Google Translate for any language, don't fucking use it. Find it. Find a different dictionary. Use. I like Word Reference, and with Word Reference, you can't necessarily do like whole sentences. You can only do words. So you are forced to piece it together yourself. And I recommend that a lot when you're trying to learn a new language. Rather than type the whole sentence that you want into Google Translate, you should learn the words that you want to do and then the sentence structure and how to put together because google translate also what they do is it translates it directly from english to the next language or the other language to english and so and not everything directly translates things don't always translate perfectly so it's going to have things real fucked up it's going to have things that don't make any sense that sound wrong um because there are phrases and idioms in used and you can't you can't use google translate man you, you can't and you're gonna be like oh you know why but like it's finally like in a pinch you know you're like somewhere you're like you went traveling to a foreign country and you need to figure out what this sign says sure do it then but it's not gonna work if you're actually trying to learn a language especially when you can type in a whole phrase if you can type in the whole sentence because it's gonna it's gonna type in it's gonna translate the sentence in the order of the english and some languages have them in different orders. They're going to have your adjectives and your nouns and your subjects and your verbs all in different places. Sentence structure, albeit similar across different languages, it's going to be different and it's not going to always translate well. So, get a dictionary, learn the sentence structure, Google it if you actually want to learn. Of course, if you're just in a pinch, that's fine. For Spanish, there are a million different resources and I can always help you with them and I can post them in the show notes. Do If you're learning Spanish and you're someone who wants to learn Spanish, do conjugation charts. Do them, do them, do them, do them. Um, because make yourself a grammar guide. So when you have a verb, whether it's decir, sentir, comer, hablar, dutarse, whatever. When you learn a new verb, write down all the forms of the verb that you need to know. Write down, write down the verb in presente and preterito and imperfecto. Like write it down in all those. Create yourself a grammar gu- grammar guide, and do that. Then they have all those. Like what's nice also with um, word reference that I really like is that it has for a verb you can have it has a conjugation. It'll show you, you know, in all the different forms, indicativo, subjuntivo. Like, it'll show you, like, subjunctive, indicative. Like, it'll, sh- it'll show you also those if you don't know them. To practice them. But practice them. Write a lot. And with Spanish, because it's so commonly spoken, there are a million, a million podcasts. A million books. A million everything. Like, I, 
there's you can find so much so yeah go and learn and speak new languages and fight colonization and imperialism and connect with your culture and your ancestors and do all the fun things and I just hope the best for you and yeah we're gonna end this podcast because it's it's this was a long one it's getting kind of late huh okay go share this podcast with everyone you know say hey friends tell me what you think about this podcast I don't know if I love it or hate it yet or if you do know say hey friends check out this podcast I love it or hey friends check out this podcast I hate it um because if you hate it and you share it and you listen to it mm, publicity man <laughs> you know um but I think that if you hate this podcast you wouldn't have made it this far unless you did unless you listen to be curious in that case fair enough I get that I do it all the time or you hate listen because I hate watch tv okay but share check out my link tree it has resources to all sorts of ways that you can help the environment um all different sorts of ways where you can buy books oh i'm tired it has links to my podcast social media and i'm prob and i'm currently gathering um resources to help immigrants in the united states and how we can help our hispanic population in the united states especially those um at the crisis at the border so that'll be on the link tray coming up this week um the link tray is super long but there's lots of really cool resources if you want to take climate action and literary action and read books um so yeah next week will be our will be the uh book club episode so yeah, stick around and stay tuned for that. I also want to say this thank you to everyone who listens to this podcast because you guys make my days better. It is so cool when I like read the stats and like who and where people listen and um, I don't know. It's so cool. And what's also cool is I can like read it like almost to the city, which is bonkers bananas. Like if I pull up, not if I don't look, if I look at Anchor on my phone, it won't show me, but if I look at Anchor on my computer, ooh, baby, like I can see to the city that someone's listening in. Like, it's crazy. So, for a fun fact, I know that only 67% of my listeners are from the United States. So, shout out to my international listeners. Um, but, like, so, in the United States, only 24% of them are from Michigan. Which is nuts. We have, I have 0% of my listeners live in Tennessee. So, fuck you, Tennessee. I'm just kidding. But, 7% of my listeners are from Texas. That's bonkers. 83 of them are from Dallas. I don't know anyone in Dallas. So that's cool. But my highest state after Michigan, 19% of them live, are in New Jersey. And 97% of the people in New Jersey are from Clifton. So if you are my podcast listener from Clifton, you are awesome and I appreciate you. Now, let's see. Next, My next country, the next highest country is the United, after the United States is Germany with 4%. So hello to my German listeners. And they live from all different areas. So we have North Rhine-Westphalia. That's 42%. 30% Hesse. 10% Bavaria. And then there's more. There's more. Which is so cool. I'm getting some more demographics in the ages of people who listen to me. Um, I have 8% non-binary listeners. So way to go. Love you. I have 12% male. Um, and I'm surprised that 12% of them are male. Because I didn't think I'm like the most male friendly. So yeah. That's cool. I, I think it's cool to like see who, what, where people listen. So shout out to you guys. 
Um, oh my god, I have 2% of my listeners are from Poland. Oh my god. Teach me Polish, please. I want to know. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, I have like listeners from Australia, from New South Wales and Queensland and like awesome. That's fantastic. I love to hear it. So yeah, I just I, just, I love it. I love it. And my listenership has been going up and I'm sort of, it goes up and down, you know, because I can't seem to consistently post anything. Um, But I appreciate you all and you guys make everything awesome. And I will talk to you guys later. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Wow. Katrimola, all of you. <laughs> I can't even do it. I'm laughing too hard. <laughs> Ah! <laughs>